Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Dwarf Fortress Talk. I'm Rainseeker. I'm Captain Tastic. Oh. Is Captain Tastic? Yep, yep. yep, yep, yep. I'm Captain Tastic. We planned this very well, as you can tell. And with us is our illustrious programmer and game designer of the game of the century, 21. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The century, the century started uh, a long time ago. <laughs> it feels yep. like a, you know, like half yep. my life, half my life ago. And, uh, so, so Tarn, let's um, let's look really quick because we were just talking about this before we started recording. Let's look at our um, images on the website. These are really cool. Um, I see that you got the African gray parrot up, which was <laughs> my special request years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. Everyone loves Alex, and. Uh, that's really exciting. I'm I'm really I'm really liking the way the tiles are like merging together and the glass the the grass overlaps the glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, cool. How many have we done? Uh, what what else do we have? We have the uh, yeah we had after that we had these uh, the spider picture the mole picture the giant toad the cave swallow various small mammals and mm, uh, that. and then the gremlin. <laughs> I love that. Grub. So, is that mole a giant beast? Are those the giant beast? Is that a giant mole beast? Is that the point? Well, it's not a it's not a forgotten beast. That's actually one of the underground uh, critters. One of the the fixed oh, okay. fixed critters. Uh, yeah, for some reason, it's such a haphazard you know selection, right? We have the giant earthworm, the giant mole, and the giant rat, the giant toad, the giant cave swallow, the giant spider, and then some oddities. But yeah, that's apparently the uh, the. I don't know why a toad. I mean, I guess it, I, there's some obvious reason why there might be a toad. I'm a toad, but the uh, the, 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 the mole, a I giant mean, cave swallow, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. No, it, oh, there are giant bats too, of course. Yeah. Once you have oh, a cave, sure, sure. Once you have a cave swallow, you got to have a giant bat, or you know, you're you're kind well, of tempting yeah, I mean, fate. Tempting fate. Unless you want to go off a different direction than every other RPG in existence. No, I didn't. I, I didn't know. That, I didn't know they were so colorful. Right? It looks kind of fun now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very fun bird. Um, but yeah, well, it's a bright and cheerful game, Dwarf Fortress. Is it? Is it a? I mean, is that swallow? Is that a dangerous creature, or is it just fly around and be giant? Uh, any, anything that's giant is dangerous, especially because you're playing dwarves, right? So it's uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I can snatch you and tear off tear off your little dwarfy parts. Mm. They used to ride them, you know, and shoot the blowgun darts at people. And uh, still, uh, one of our great failings is to have not reclaimed the uh, riding underground civilizations uh, that attack through your wells, like fly up. I don't know if they ever flew the birds up through your wells. They just kind of flew the birds back and forth in the chasm, right? <laughs> As I recollect, there's a variable called pattern flyer. And you set that on, and then it would set a little path that they uh, they would follow, just kind of tracking up and down uh, the uh, the chasm, just shooting like targets of opportunity as they mm. as, as they went by, paralyzing your dwarves with cave spider venom. Ooh, delicious! Yeah. I'm thinking about winged beak dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it would have to be in Tremors Five or something. I was speaking of spiders. I was having trouble sleeping last night. Yes. Woke up about five thirty in the morning, and I was I decided to take a shower, and so I was just looking at my iPad in the shower as I want to do, um, being careful not to get it wet. And um, <laughs> I am a dangerous um, game. <laughs> I was leaning against a towel against the wall when I suddenly felt a little prickly thing, and then I looked down in time to see a spider crawling on my arm, and then it bit me, oh. and then I slapped it. <laughs> and it fell off, and I recovered it. And in a panic for the next hour and a half, I searched online to try to figure out if it was a poisonous spider. <laughs> um, it turns out it's a house spider, like oh, those good. normal ha- harmless things. But they are kind of a, like aggressive when startled, apparently. Hmm. So yeah. he took a yeah. I have a whole, whole ecosystem here. We got because um, we had a, a flea blow up. I mean, living in the apartment, it's kind of una- unavoidable. Um, and so Scamps has his flea medication. I've been vacuuming, making sure that the 
eggs get scooped up and stuff, and they, they kind of mm-hmm. died down, but it led to a spider explosion. <laughs> of, uh, like the, and then Scamps is the apex predator, because he will just, when he sees a spider, he runs over to it and just chomp, one chomp, and it's gone. <laughs> eats it. Yeah, just eats it, and uh, <laughs> continues the circle of life. There's probably something that lives inside the fleas or something. Um, <laughs> goes through the circle and um, yeah, I try not to think about it too much. But there are spiders everywhere. But I like to keep them because they uh, they're flea well, flea I, control. I allow the uh, daddy long leg spiders to live in my house. <laughs> they're they're kind of nice. I don't mind them. Uh, anything else though is really creepy looking. So I'll, I'll no, not get, pretty creepy. Kick those out if I can, but otherwise they're dead. I have an aluminum baseball bat for uh, <laughs> gently poking any home invaders of the multi-legged kind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, once the orb on the back of the spider gets sufficiently big and glossy, it starts to terrify me. It's not the legs at all, just the big old orb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. More suggestive of the Black Widow or whatever. It's kind of scary. Right. Yeah, we have quite a few black widows up here. Yeah, no, that's not. I was me. I was scared that it would be a black widow that just bit me, but yeah, that was what immediately went through my head as like a hospital trip. <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah, no, that's no good. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, enough creepy crawly talk. Uh, um, Captain, how was your week? Uh, I've been making a lot of bread lately, just baking and baking bread after bread. Different methods. I got a book. Um, I'm happy about that. I just finished baking two loaves of bread today that I uh, started last night. Um, Feeling good about that. I think a lot of people are turning towards leisure baking uh, during this social isolation period. I hear that. I I, I professionally bake, as you all know. So that's... That's that's lots of fun. Speaking of baking, is is there baking in uh, Tor Fortress? Uh, sort of. There's the kitchen, <laughs> the kitchen, the dubious, dubious kitchen. Now remember, where, can we make bread? Um, as as I recollect, and people have to cor- correct me if I'm wrong, you can mince flour and make biscuits. <laughs> 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 And if that's not right, it's, it's at least that bad. Chopping, just chopping and chopping at the at the grains. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> after going through the mill, like you have a giant water-powered or wind-powered mill, and you bring the wheat yeah. there and get it in a bag, and you have this flour, and it's it's you know perfectly fine as a dwarf would do, right? You've got great flour, and then you put it on the table. Obviously, it needs to be minced more finely. So uh, what, what what the real question is, is there a, a giant that can can mince dwarf bones and, and into bread? Oh, well, we're slightly further along on that than than you might anticipate because of the Minotaur. Uh, if you Ooh. go if you go into the um, the labyrinth, uh, it generates this this maze. Right. And there's a room at the end of the maze. It's a little kind of like five by five room or something. And uh, they have their bone mill there, and mm. uh, they they take the uh, the bones and they mill them into into um, bone meal, and uh, this is why we added bone meal to the game for the the minotaur. Um, and uh, this this is uh, in my my not not so well read recollection. This is not classical. I don't know that the minotaur had a, a bone mill, but it's actually from the incredible string band song. Um, down in the dark, my bone mills roll, etc. So uh, that's oh. why that is in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> goofy, goofy, goofy British folk music uh, gives uh, gives us the Minotaur with the uh, the bone mill, and of course they chase you and hunt you through the labyrinth and scream things in the darkness and so forth. But the prize is to find their nasty little home. It was kind of a the nasty little home series of releases really because the uh, the night trolls also have their habits like the, the nasty r- little homework <laughs> yeah I, I forgot if they were called habits there is something like that in inside the habits or antics or something like that inside the uh, the raw files where the night trolls that are generated have um, little weird habits like one of them will collect beetles and put it in a mortar mortar and pestle and and, and grind the beetles into beetle paste 
and um, for no reason. That's good protein. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they could be dyeing their clothes. You know, there's all kinds of... Uh, they don't wear Purple clothes, Beatles. of course. <laughs> but maybe they <laughs> smear it on themselves or something. You know, we just wanted them to feel like little... little they had little tasks that they were kind of obsessed with that that made them strange. So that like when you... X-Files. Were... <laughs> yeah, they're, they're good. They're good... Um, good little critters. Um, and they some of them just eat rats and things. Um... But they all, of course, kidnap people and convert them and stuff. So they're they're very bad, horrifying things. But they have like this side gig of messing with little bugs. That's wonderful. <laughs> little bugs are the best. <laughs> we we have we have. Um, I, I wanted to do something on Reddit. Um, and read some of these uh, posts that people have put up on Reddit. Um, um, there's one that's, uh, the title is this, that says, I like this guy. And this is the story of Aben uh, Lechtadaming, the Marks Dwarf. He says, help, save me. Death is all around us, the horror. And then the hunter stands up, and then he says, I feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's from Count Triple. Shout hey, out Count, Count Triple. Triple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he's just like another day, another day. <laughs> Whenever I read these things, I, I can't help but view it like a, an action hero one-liner. Yep. Death is all around me. I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember if that's what happens when their thoughts are cleared and they have nothing to talk about. Or if that's what they uh, think when they're an optimist or something. They they have personality based lines and situation based lines, and they kind of mix and match them, and it sometimes makes them sound <laughs> very ridiculous. Strange, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's another one on Reddit uh, from Cabbage Troll. It says that the necromancer invaders have been hanging around outside my fortress for so long they've started reproducing. <laughs> the kids are listed as friendly in the unit menu. <laughs> uh, that's that's sorrowful. I hope they don't send out the the military to take care of that, and because they probably will just have there be like wilderness orphan. Orphan necromancer invaders. I assume that's not zombies. Well, I hope that's not zombies um, that are that are reproducing. Uh, I assume it's. Well, it new. says. Well, it, here it says. It says Shadow Wolf of Frightful Bolts has given birth to a girl. <laughs> <laughs> the wolf so those of I, the wolves are reproducing babies. Oh, those those yeah. If it's wolf, um, it's not too precise with the language. But my guess is if it's a wolf then it's probably one of the quadrupeds or hexapods that they bred from the livestock. Um, but it's also possible that wolf was just used as a name for a humanoid because it had a wolf-like aspect to it, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but everyone, everyone can... Well, not everyone. It actually decides if they can breed or not. Some of them are kind of... Um, what is that called? Diamorphic or whatever. And then some of them are just just one sort of body or the other and some of them it doesn't specify um there's all sorts of uh, all sorts of ways the experiments can turn out that's why they're experiments can you have uh, necromancers that aren't uh, inherently aggressive to a fortress uh no sadly sadly the uh, the uh, the they're all rather messed up people I mean, it might be kind of cool if you could have a necromancer show up and offer to buy the corpses off of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would be one of those branching narrative type of things. Like That would this, be kind of neat. Is this a good decision? Is this a decision <laughs> I want to make for the future of my fort? But, I mean, if the necromancer is willing to pay and the dwarves see that, like, shiny uh, shiny metal stuff, they... And then they turn around and attack your fort with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that no, might be worth it because you'd be able to, to kind of turn the turn the metal around and make some weapons or something. No, it could be a part of a lifelong partnership as long as you're generating enough bodies. Um, and forts often do that. Yep. 
Uh, here's another post from NZ Sloth. Uh, it says, damn it, safety hat, my favorite dwarf is dead. <laughs> she's, she's followed me for 46 years through five forts. Started as a useless forge slave in my first fort in this world and produced my first artifact, a lead cap. Hence the nickname, Safety Hat. <laughs> she migrated to every fort since then. She was always single and had a bad personality, but was always doing useful things. And how did she die? With honor in battle? Defending a friend? Nope. Cleaning up after a major goblin invasion, and she somehow falls into a volcano. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's another argument for the fencing. It's like, could you add fences to the game, please? Um, <laughs> or as a volcano, and I really hope no one falls into it. <laughs> well, how do how do how do the people fall? Is it is it slippery ground or is it just no, like no? Just... No, I mean I, th- that's why I'm confused because I mean normally it would be something like dodging or something, right? Um, mm. that's the only time I ever hear about that is dodging, but apparently um, there are other cases. Um, yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and is it is it possible that it's just something they were doing messing around with bridges or something? Oh well, yes, I, I mean, I mean, the player is always a a wild card here. I mean, <laughs> the, the way the person's talking about it, it seems like that they weren't they weren't um, you know collapsing a whole section of floor or anything like that. But um, yeah, yeah. No, there's always there's always uh, I mean, there's other. I mean, if there were mine carts around, they jump out of the way of mine carts. Um, I doubt there was a falling tree, although it could have been outside because it was cleaning up after. A uh, invasion. If someone was doing a lumber operation, they could jump out of the way of the tree. Uh, ah, and that would possibly cause you to topple off a cliff. Yeah, right down into the center of the volcano. Sadly, <laughs> the lead hat's not going to help for very long. <laughs> it's like melting as you. It's like Terminator Two. Maybe they held their thumbs up. It's a great, <laughs> great moment for everybody. She's like. My nightmare is finally over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why she decided to go to the fifth fort this person was running. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm, I'm with you to the very end. <laughs> yeah, what, were, what was her emotional state? This is the, the important thing. Yeah, yeah in Z Sloth, we want to know more. We need more information. Yeah, I imagine they were sad that their fat was melting inside their skin while their skin was unaffected or however it works. Mm-hmm. Or they were yeah, in the rain a sad. year ago. <laughs> yes, sad <laughs> for being in the rain for a year. Yeah. It rained on me once. <laughs> yeah, still it's like, yeah, every time I talk about like my my like the triumphant addition of character arcs and long-term memory to Dwarf Fortress. It's like, well, of course, half of these character arcs involve someone getting sad in the rain and upending their whole life philosophy. (laughs) It needs work. (laughs) It's pretty sad, but it's, uh, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Everything will be fine. Huh. Okay. So someone mentions a good omen and that just makes me wonder, like, are you, have you ever thought about putting omens in the game? Yeah, everything to do with precognition and prophecy is always kind of tricky, which is why what we've done so far with the, the like the shrines when you because there's the dice now in the shrines, right? And you can mm-hmm. roll them and sometimes it is like, oh, good luck for the week or whatever. And which is in a sense some sort of omen. Of course we could have stated it a little better. I mean the pictures on the dice sometimes are are fun, but the the um, the idea is that we can produce something like that omen for you by altering your skill rolls. And this is, of course, just in that's an adventure mode thing. Um, and we do bad luck the same way that we did bad luck with the uh, with the mummies by just uh, tanking the occasional skill roll so that a bad thing will happen. Um Periodically, really? yeah, that's it's like uh, yeah, we didn't want to just cut the skill rolls by twenty percent or something. We make it so it's zero as a skill roll every once in a while. And if that happens to be a crucial dodge roll or a crucial attack roll, then you will feel cursed. Not that it's not that it's like so apparent. It really should kind of highlight it by having the mummy laugh in your head happens or something, but but yeah, it's not signposted enough. It'll just like genuinely feel like bad luck, which the player would have to kind of think back to what they did. Why were you robbing a tomb or why were you rolling the dice? Um, Yeah. Well, I was thinking you could do omens like 
having a bat land on the leader or something and like have uh, have that be like an omen of uh, an upcoming vampire attack and you're you know inside your fortress or or um, show like a, a bunch of swallows fly you know over the river and that's an omen of you know an attack of, from elves or something. Yeah, we did. We did. It was funny that in the it was like in the pre-initial release. I'm not even sure this was in the first release when the uh, when there was an undead invasion sca- scheduled for year four or five. One of your <laughs> one of your dwarves would have a nightmare the season before, um, and it would be in their thoughts that they had a nightmare about the undead invasion. So that that kind of omen is easier huh. to do. The ones that you're talking about, when you, we already know that there's a scheduled event, like once once the army leaves to march. Of course, that's a little more difficult now because armies arrive fairly quickly at the destination. But mm. th- it's still possible to just kind of seed it in the AI's head that hey, we want to attack you. Um, and if it's if it's it's all the better if the omen is not sort of guaranteed to to come true, which is. You know, oh, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, really common. And then, then you can set up prophecies like that. It's like the the sort of Macbeth style prophecies are harder to do when you're like, no one's going to be able to harm you and stuff like that. Then you have to like yeah. go through all the mechanics and turn them off and make sure that you can't accidentally fall in a volcano or, or whatever. Ah. Or, if you, or if you do, you're just like magically saved by water that spilled somewhere and turned it into obsidian right before you hit the ground, and you hit the ground just right or whatever. And that's just <laughs> it's too much work, right? But 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 the kind of the kind of like uh, foretelling events that the game has already decided to do is uh, much more simple. And um, if we go with something like the the the, the cave ins that are if when we have when we pull off the idea about kind of scheduling cave ins when there's structural flaws and so forth, then it could mm-hmm. have omens about that kind of event scheduled. Uh, we could do crop failure. Uh, could be an easy schedule. You just decide that a farm plot's going to fail completely, and then kind of schedule, like partially talk about that. Yeah, so I, I see that as yeah, it's definitely definitely the sort of thing that that uh, you can get a lot of traction on in different directions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'd be cool. a tiny little question a tiny little topic that is a personal favorite of mine um when are we going to play as other civilizations when are we going to get goblin pit necromancer tower uh human town human city <laughs> human harem guard yeah <laughs> so yes. many options and procedural civs i'm sure it's really easy to add all of this in just a couple <laughs> of lines of code right oh just yeah five minutes right yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's it, we 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 have our eyes on these things, right? It's like, uh, it, and and you know, we say that after you know fourteen years of not having them. Um, yeah. Although my my brother's forts often involve a, a above ground component, he just makes little houses for them outside and so forth with a wall. But the uh, the the yeah the various challenges there. I mean, we we've experienced them in the uh, the new residency stuff having humans move into an existing fortress, like especially if you've got different types of critters, then you have to worry about clothing. And of course, because we, we you know, stupidly made clothing different sizes or whatever, the, uh, we have to worry about that. But, <laughs> but, but so, so in some sense, it should be easier to do the, the single critter fortresses. And then people have experienced the issues with that when they're modding, right? They have a flying critters have horrible pathfinding. With humans, you're, you're more just like... Uh, we need a better construction interface, right? Like to build buildings, um, even if it is, I mean, people are probably used to now, by now, since there's so many games where you can just place things block by block, like yeah. building houses like that. I always kind of felt bad that the how like when you built a big wooden wall, that it's not like a house raising or something like where you bring, here comes the big wall popping into place, right? It feels like that's how it should be, but I mean, that ship is fairly well sailed, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, just placing block by block and having this little, little, you know, that's fine. So I don't think that's a big, big, big deal. The, the big deal is just the horrible interface for it when you're like B, shift C, W, at least you can drag rectangles now uh, and enter, 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 <laughs> and select the wood. But that's 
part of the things that's one of the things that's up to be changed in the in the Steam release, uh, which of course carries over to the other the classic release as well uh, of having better ways to place uh, constructions and not having to like select every individual log. And, like if you don't care uh, which maple log or even if it's maple that they use, then you should be able to pop down a wall just by going you know click click. Right. Click and drag mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little more difficult with the Z stuff, but if we if we repurpose the mouse wheel in that interface for going up and down Z levels, then it'd be like click and then mouse wheel twiddle click and then you've got a three uh three tall, seven long north south wall. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. You would need you know, still need twenty one logs to build it, but that's your dwarf's problem, not yours. Um, right. And then, then you're then you've kind of attained um, one of the big uh, stumbling blocks for for human human town mode uh, is just getting those things uh, nicely structured, having easy way to lay out uh, roadways and uh, stuff like that. And then uh, that that would be kind of the big thing. The, then there are sort of um, other stumbling blocks are getting. Uh, well, there, there, yeah, there, there are a few, few other things, you know, uh, to, to think about. Uh, one would be just, um, the overall framing story. Like, uh, we probably don't want the mountain homes of the humans, like sending you a, you know, a, a liaison that requests that you uplift a baron in like the same way and stuff. Right. So there'd be certain restructuring and the, the, the current thinking of on that had been, um, to, to do that with the embark scenarios to kind of think about why you're there. And then that would be more structurable. Uh, of course that would come after the myth and magic release. And this is kind of the big, the big point on, on that is that when the myth and magic release, you set those weird sliders over to, um, uh, have non, non dwarf, um, play because you're playing a like three legged mollusk. Then, I mean, human town mode seems attainable when you're when you're you know done three legged mollusk mode. Of course, three legged mollusk mode comes before the embark scenarios in this timeline, so you'd still have some kind of like outpost liaison scenario probably with your three legged mollusks. But um, so it, it's one of these things that we're approaching in this modular fashion. Um, mm-hmm. As we've noticed in the past with several features, you can once you've done enough of the work like this and you think ahead to the sort of things you want, and we've always kind of wanted to be able to play uh, humans. Command Fortress? <laughs> well, more like humans and necromancers <laughs> and wizards assistants and, and things like that, right? So we're always sort of aiming at these things with the features that we add, even if we're kind of slow about it. Um, but you just suddenly realize what you can do, like we had with the villains release, you know, realizing we were able to pull off um, more than we thought we could do initially there because of the other structures that have been put in place. Um, and now, nice. because of what we've done there, we're going to suddenly realize, and not suddenly realize because we had planned for this, but uh, realize that, oh, you know, all kinds of diplomacy and stuff is open now because we've got people that can perform tasks for other people. And you, so you can see mm. out all kinds of uh, things like that are now um, have a framework in place that, that, you know, will more or less work once we revisit it after the, after the steam release and finish it up. Um, so what, that, what kind yeah. of things can you have people do theoretically, like have people assassinate other people? Is that what you're kind of talking about or, or like yeah. <laughs> doing trade missions or? So, so the people assassinating people actually falls within the villains framework itself. So it's right, like that, right, right. that, that part, that, that part was, <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I'll have but to. But you can uh, hire people to do that, is what you're saying. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And 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 the the, um, and in fact, that was going to be part of the villain's release is this kind of fort as villain or fort as spy master um, thing where where all of the plots available to the villains, including like preparing an artifact heist or doing an assassination mission, doing some kind of blackmail mission to get someone generally on your side so you can use them later. Um, all of that would be easily available in fort mode just by going into the uh, the the C screen or wherever it might be moved over to the counter or the espionage screen or be part of the the C world map screen. Um, but we have these kind of messengers, uh, and you'd be able to set up your agent as a kind of messenger and send them on a mission because we have those squad missions um, that you can send dwarves out of your fortress to raid things and steal livestock or whatever. But 
those missions all use this this thing just because of how they started. It's called the Army Controller Framework, uh, and that's just the kind of goal that's sitting in their head um, that controls a, a group that's moving on the map. Uh, but now the Army Controllers can be link, linked to plots, and plots live inside the head of every uh, person who is kind of in the intrigue game. Uh, we mm. don't have we don't have them for all like twenty thousand living people because it would start to be kind of a memory and processing problem. But anyone who mm. sort of opted into the world of intrigue, which includes all the leaders in the world, but also all the villains mm. and a few other players, um, have the the plots and their plot actors that they can kind of say like, what is my current perceived place in the game? What is um, the my objectives and what plots can I initiate to achieve my objectives? Whether that's would, like, would, yeah. Would you be theoretically able to like blackmail uh, a leader of another nation into protecting you, hanging out, putting troops outside of your, you know, your fortress to keep you safe? Uh, the, yeah, the, the the theory would have to be accompanied by like making the alliance system work a little better. Uh, mm. We we have alliance system now, right? In quotes, the alliance system in quotes because <laughs> because necromancers still take over the world, right? So we decided to help uh, civilization live longer by having any any um, civilized people that aren't you know uh, undead or or you know ruled by demons and so forth can ally against the threats that are that sort of thing, and then they will send their armies together. Um, that has not been realized in Fort Mode, because uh, it involves some timing on the world map. But the good news is, of course, the the army rewrite stuff that's coming before the Magic release and before that, all that stuff, just after the after the graphics release, we have the villain finishing and the army work. Uh, and army work right now, uh, there's going to be things that are done and things that aren't done. And as usual, we don't know quite what's going to land inside the mark and what's not. Uh, but certainly on the table is that kind of thing. Um, the sort of coordinating of forces, uh, leading leading forces that are off-site, being able to direct them further than what you can do now, which is just kind of send them off on a mission, then they come back. But what would it mean to be able to kind of raise up a whole army from all of your holdings? I mean, it constantly tells you about your holdings, right? It's like, oh, this right. this this uh, Hillix, you know, group is look to your fortress for its economic, um, you know, security or whatever. Uh, I don't quite remember what the message was, but it pops up annoyingly, and you have to press enter. And uh, sometimes it's like goblins or something, right? It just pops up, and you're like, okay, what does that mean? Doesn't mean much. <laughs> Um, and, and I think sometimes it means you can send you can send for people from there. You can like request more migrants anytime you want. You can also exile your dwarves if you want to kick someone out of your fortress. You can kick them out to those places. Um, huh. Yeah, that's 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 all in. I'm not sure how well that that's realized right now, but that's technically in. There's some weird things about it, of course. So what and, happens if you exile a vampire to a neighbor? Um, yeah, they, they, they'd be a vampire in the, in the, the neighboring village. I don't think that's... Would that take over, though, is, is my question. No, like, no, I, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think uh, vampires are one of those things that post-world gen doesn't have the same kind of AI fidelity. Uh, it'd probably just try and sneak back to your fortress, basically. <laughs> but assuming a new identity, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous because they'd assume a new identity. Hey, wasn't that first? <laughs> I thought people... <laughs> that was first. No, no, no. He's Usa. Yes. No, I don't think so. <laughs> different hat. He's wearing a different hat. You can tell. <laughs> yeah, it's like they they freshly clean off all their bone trinkets or whatever. But uh, yeah, and, and the, the thing that's even worse about it is like. It would partially work like it would certainly be the player would probably be confused by it. But then the and unless they like looked at the dwarf and saw the scars or saw something else that they identified. Um, but your dwarves in the counter espionage screen where they track identities, if that dwarf had been brought in previously or, or otherwise talked to, like they would know that the new identity was fake but they wouldn't bother telling anybody. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, that's the vampire we kicked out a couple months There's ago. There's no urgency to reveal a plot. It's just like, oh, yeah, I knew. Yeah, it's like classified. This is classified information. We've redacted the vampire's identity. Um, but it, the player's not on a need-to-know basis here. I'm thinking, like, the Bitness Protection Program. Oh, I, I'm uh, wondering, yeah. so are you planning on, like, setting up an automated system where you can give orders based on, like, discovered intelligence, like... Any discovered vampires, for instance, that are show up are immediately put into holding or something. Or I think the main thing we thought about was migrant uh, kind of um, like, do you have a interrogation thing where you bring people in and and talk Ooh. to them when you're in like a, a kind of you're worried about this is your interview. A, yeah, agents and <laughs> agents and vampires and stuff, and then but you know as as we all kind of experience now when you have stricter kind of immigration protocols, there's a whole other side of that, right? Um, mm. So so it's uh, uh, interesting to see where that where that takes the fort and what that means about your reputation with the outside world, what that means with the reputation with the rest of your, um, your civilization. I mean, it wasn't even it, it, one of the main things you can have in, in, in even in medieval times is like the king of the dwarves or whatever the queen of the dwarves gives a uh, a writ or something to people or a whole group of people the right to the freedom of movement right and stuff like that uh yeah yeah, yeah. and and uh so you would be perhaps at odds with your civilization because it seems uh, my impression is that you know dwarves are a very kind of you're allowed to move where you want right that's very much seems to be how it works they're a free-loving uh, species yeah yeah that's like you can go here and and but when we start getting more into guilds and more into um, uh, religious stuff, like there's going to be these sort of natural uh, in-group, out-group, and exclusion practices and so forth that'll be uh, interesting to model on a kind of um, getting the getting tensions with your own civilization would be pretty cool. Uh, that will be interesting. Yeah, getting getting uh, like the shoe guild to uh, be at odds with the glove-making guild, right? And, yeah. Uh, they, want, they want better prices on the leather, right? But they're, they fight over that, and so there's a <laughs> there's compete competition there. Just as intense as Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right, in the Game of Shoes. Yeah, yeah. Urst, were you just kissing your sister? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole topic we probably shouldn't go into. It's like, what, 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 how do these family trees happen in Dwarf Fortress? Some of the ones I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I'm not sure we have an appropriate uncle detector. Does it work? I'm not sure. Oh, no. We don't have any genetics in the game, do we? Oh, my gosh, this conversation is going everywhere. But, uh, like, family trees. Do we have any, like, like, things that get passed down? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you can tell when you see like the 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 eye color and stuff, right? It in the the hair and other like just just simple stuff like that um, just passes down, um, just because you know it's it's uh, what people expect more or less, right? Um, there are there are um, very basic in the sense that you can have uh, there's sort of a dominance recessive thing, but it's. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's is it based on is it alphabetical right now? I don't quite remember. Like this, this like <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> it's really not not in depth uh, the way it is now. But I mean, technically, you could do things like dog breeding and stuff. It would be pretty harsh the way you have to call to to get what you want. But because uh, you can't, just, I mean, you, I guess you can do gelding uh, to to kind of close off. Um, uh, certain colors of dogs and things, and technically that should work. I'm not sure how much people have tried to do that. Uh, there was someone on the forums recently who tried that. Uh, let me see. But Genetics like... and selective breeding science by Moe Teru. Ooh. <laughs> Genetics and inheritance are supposed to be a thing. This is what Toadie had to say in DF Talk number eight from oh. years ago. Wow. But they did some experiments, and because... their conclusion is, to put it simply, attributes don't seem to be inheritable. Uh, all of the means are within roughly one standard error of 1,000, which is what you'd expect if they were generated completely randomly. Okay, so attributes, we're talking about, like, the strength of the mm-hmm, things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's different uh, than colors. I mean, I don't know if they talked about the colors at all. 
Yeah, attributes. I have. I have no memory. I thought I you know, back as it's probably be the same roughly. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Is what I said in DF talk number eight from like twenty whenever that was twelve or something. Um, that yeah, my recollection was that there was a kind of uh, a link to that, but um, yeah, it not working would not be the most uh, uncommon thing to hear in Dwarf Fortress friends, would it? <laughs> Well, that would be cool if you could breed for stronger teeth or like, uh, like just uh, stronger dwarves or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, my understanding was that you you could at least for the main attributes, but um, yeah, sadly, oh, okay. sad, sadly broken. Uh, yeah, according to the uh, the forum scientists, we try our best. Our best is rarely good enough. Yep, bugs happen. Yeah, yeah, bugs and all kinds of other other mess. Now we're going to answer some questions. If you have questions you'd like answered, please send them to Cody1 at bay12games.com and make sure that the entire subject line is question for DF Talk. Nice, guys. <laughs> Perfect. The, the meow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, here are the questions. Um, so we have a question from uh, Recon106. Uh, um, the Question is if when we do add uh, the the myth myth and myth and magic release when we add demons to it is there going to be a possibility of worlds where the demons are not trapped in the underworld that they're actually roaming around on the the uh, the outside um, because kind of what we were talking about when we talked about these these uh, other races not just demons and things but angels and forest spirits and all that we just kind of talked about them as if they're out there doing their thing right or they're mm-hmm. off in some plane somewhere right or or they're they're wherever and the, indeed that's that's the idea um the idea is that uh there would be a number of situations uh it wouldn't always be the underworld exactly as it is with like like you know spoiler alert uh adamantine uh, spires coming up from a from a kind of underworld place that's described as being a different place, like the sky is described as different when you go down there and do the weather description. So it is sort of a different place, but it's really just kind of under, too. It's the underworld. Um, and uh, it always works a certain way. Um, yeah, and we're, we're, we're planning on having a, um, uh, just different possibilities there, uh, although we'll, we'll have uh, in, the, in the next question, uh, we'll, we'll address uh, that. Uh, and but but first, a uh, another question um, uh, from Recon One Hundred Six is whether or not it'd be possible to deal with um, necromancers that can raise your your kind of your corpse piles and so forth. Whether or not it would be possible for proactive zombie movie measures to to deal with that, which of course you could do, you could do now by dumping dumping the bodies into a magma pit, for example. Uh, oh. but, but they want want to be able to chop off uh, like the heads or something, right? And just just do sufficient chopping, which I believe would be the heads and both hands. Like if, as long as you have a grasper or a head, yeah. As long as you have a grasper <laughs> or a head, you're allowed to. Uh, you're allowed to um, come back from the dead, right? So that you can be like, is it thing? Is that the is that the hand? Yes. Is that the, yes thing thing the hand? Uh, yes, we needed to have right. thing. We yeah. needed to have thing. Thing was required, but also just like a head that goes like. Rock, 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 rock. Right. <laughs> so so these two things are important. Um, so yeah, and and uh, so it's kind. Of, I mean, it, it'd, it'd be a it'd be a, a kind of quirky thing to add. Um, you know, in, in, in the general sense, I'm, I'm all for it. I have no idea when I, you know, get to doing things like that, but I think it's a, certainly now in the, the world that we've created, uh, I can see why people are thinking about sort of anti-zombie measures. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very scary out there right now. (laughs) We already have werewolf and person plagues. Yes. Those aren't fun. Yeah, that's that's we, we 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 made them a little bit harder. You have to your fort has to be a little further along. You shouldn't just get them in the first season anymore. But uh, yes, and I don't know that there's any uh, like really good counter countermeasures for that other than just quarantining everybody that uh, was bit. Has been bit, yeah. 
Yeah, but there's not like you can't like press silver against their foreheads or anything like that or anything. Um, so now, what happens if your entire fortress turns into were beasts? My understanding is that it doesn't fall to ruin when they convert, because the, the, the worry would be when when the full moon happens, they all turn into were beasts. That it would say like your fortress has fallen into ruin. Um, my recollection oh. was thinking of that and fixing that, but that it you always like after this many years, like the like what side issues and edge cases I've fixed versus which ones someone's brought to my attention. And I was like, Oh, I really right. need to fix that. Uh, I, I'm not actually sure anymore whether that's fixed, but my understanding is that you would just have them kind of convert and then nothing bad would happen except the new migrants. <laughs> of course, any new migrants would have a very bad day that day. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> and then you'd have more. Fort- maybe. Fortress Wolfenstein. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's how it works, but I may, I may be wrong. Um, yeah, that's, so uh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. Next, next question uh, is from uh, uh, Fiery. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce any of these, obviously, but uh, Fiery from the forum uh, had a question uh, for DF Talk, uh, wondering if the if the myth generator can generate all of the vanilla elements, and whether in fact you could recreate the entire vanilla thing. This relates to that, that previous question about like, well, are demons not going to be in the underworld anymore? Cause you have all kinds of different demons, but then the flip side is, could you get back to dwarf fortress? Are we really just blowing everything up? But could you get back to, to the default? Uh, yeah, the default setting. And the idea is that we'd kind of be growing out from that, right? The, the um, easiest thing to do of course is to change nothing. And then as you're changing things, the stuff that you haven't changed, of course, is still just sitting there. And as we build out the myth generator, some stuff is just going to get, you know, changed immediately and other things won't be. And as we were doing that, we were planning on, yeah, having uh, having the ability to recreate the existing situation. Of course, it's sitting right there. So mostly it's easy to have that as an option. Uh, but also we understand for like even nostalgia reasons, a completely legit- legitimate reason to just keep it there if it's keepable, right? Uh, hmm. and um, having things like the way the myth generator works, and I understand why the concern comes up the way the myth generator works when it talks about underworlds and portals and things uh, hasn't, hasn't in any of the examples we've, we've read recreated the, the existing situation. But of course the existing situation as it stands is ambiguous as we kind of alluded to before <laughs> The underworld is under, it sits below, and you dig down to get there, but once you get there, if you press the weather button in adventure mode, it says that the clouds are purple swirling spirals, and none of that is reflected in the game. I mean, our thinking was that, <laughs> our thinking was that you actually did end up in another place that was below, but also different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the the nice thing about the map rewrite that comes with the, the initial myth release is that it allows us to realize the default system in the way we wanted it realized. But if someone wanted to also just have a lower cave layer, then that would also be possible. Um, and is in fact the easier way to do it. Um, so uh, it might be described differently though. So in some limited sense, then perhaps the default would not be attainable unless there's a way to go to the same place, but have its sky described differently for some reason. Um, which was kind of just covering for our inability to do what we wanted to do. Yeah. So that, that's the caveat, I guess, on the, on the recreation of the default. But, okay. Yeah, but pretty Would much there yeah. be an option you think to just have like a, just baseline default DF classic, however you want to spin it. Cause I think there's something to be said for having like a baseline experience. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's what's going to happen when you have the sliders on pretty low settings too. As you just kind of, it it really will just draw from the files and maybe just give you forgotten beasts and give you a pretty prosaic. I mean, the the myth is going to be there, um, and of course, the lowest slider setting was that it's fake, which would probably be the most default setting there is, except for the fact that the uh, the vampires and werewolves um, happen. And the demons are released with, with, with those vault things and so forth. There's a few kind of default things that 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 happen, but at the same, does that yeah. shut down the necromancy then too? Well, I mean, necromancy is also very defaulty or whatever. 
and I think the, 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 the kind of counterpoint is, I mean, it's similar to the, the way we stepped into 3D, right? We lost yeah. certain cool stuff that we want to recreate. And in fact, the map rewrite is our way of recreating that. So we're finally kind of returning to some of the cool stuff that's going to restructure the, the play experience in 3D to bring some of the 2D stuff back, have the ability to do that finally. Uh, with like better underground rivers and waterfalls and things. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. But but the um, the thing here is like some of the things are just so unrealized, um, like what it means for those deity curses to happen, and uh, what what where the why these secrets of life and death are being given to the necromancers by the deities and uh, things like that. That like. There's something to be said for the default experience, but it would be cool to have a little more information too, and maybe we can't avoid having more information or something, right? It's like, and 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 then there's that other. There's a whole other thread here about the about the editors when you when you say like people sitting down having a default dwarf fortress experience. There's also this this one where you know there there might be. We've talked about pack in worlds and stuff um, and being bad in general, but there's also this kind of like pack in setting idea we had just for the sake of giving people um, like modders, especially, etc. And also just to keep us honest about it, having every kind of thing that you can do with the editors um, uh, command wise being realized in some kind of pack in. And 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 that that would actually end up being a kind of defaulty setting. Nice. It's kind of re- reclaiming certain default elements just by showing you. Well, if you want to write demons in an underworld, this is how you tell the myth generator to always do that. Um, have we talked meaningfully about the modding community? I, I'm just curious: are we if we're going to have um, support Steam support um, for the modding community, or if you're just going to keep it the way it's always been? Oh no, that's the whole yeah, that's the whole thing. The um, the integration of Steam Workshop, right? And we're actually like yeah, having having the whole the whole the whole shebang there. Um, the the Woo. the questions that are, are are that remain are like mostly technical ones. It's like you turn the Steam Workshop on, people can sign in, get their mods and stuff. But games also often have a interface within the game itself where you click the steam workshop button and it pops up a connecting window to steam and stuff like that right and you click on and off and stuff like that mm-hmm. um that that all is just a matter of like uh, i haven't looked at the api yet like i haven't gone on steam and said what is your api how how do you integrate these libraries and windows and things and so uh that's why i have no specifics right about what what exactly is going to get pulled off on the first release Versus how we can improve it over time, how yeah. like internet connection stuff works. Because uh, in one model, like Steam handles all the internet stuff, right? You go to Workshop, you click yes, no, yes, no, and stuff, um, and then that it it like knows what mods you have. It patches them into your game, uh, but the the game doesn't connect to the internet to do that. And then in the other model, uh, the game also handles the mods, and that's better in a way because it allows you to do more collision detection and other stuff like that, right? It's, like, ideal to have it work that way. But um, we'll see kind of what the hurdles are uh, for that, and that's the only reason that I don't have, like, strict promises about the exact um, sure. s- setup. But, yeah, it's all... It's all uh, sure. should, be, should be cool because, um, yeah, mods are, mods are cool. People sharing mods are cool. Yeah, it's it's always I always feel like um when games do it well, uh it provides a lot of interesting content for the for the game. Um I mean there are some games that like just totally exploded once they, they did that, like Minecraft, of course. I'm thinking Doom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was a I was a Doom modder in my own house. Uh yeah. Uh, Share it with our friends. Played, played, yeah, played our Doom levels in like nineteen ninety, what three or whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> over over like a telephone connection or whatever. Uh, right. Yeah, that was cool. Speaking of multiplayer games, is there like a, a universe where um, someday two people could play Dwarf Fortress and manage the manage the fortress together? I'm 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 always out of date on the mods, right? I think people have done lots of experiments with that now. Um, hmm. I, I, 
virtual I wasn't aware of that. terminal two people could connect to. Hmm. Yeah, because there's that remote DF already that communicates with the one that's running in your home or whatever. Um, and um, yeah, I'm not sure why, like, I mean, maybe, I mean, if you want everyone signing in, it'd be like a private server or whatever, if you could get that to hook up twice. Uh, I mean, people would be fighting. I mean, they'd figure out how to, like, what happens when someone presses left and someone presses right, but I'm sure that's a common concern that's always figured out. I mean, it would be nice if each person had their own user interface, you know, that didn't interact with each other. You'd have your own cursor. You can see what the oh, yeah, yeah, person's yeah. doing oh, or whatever. But. That, that's a much, yeah, obviously a much more involved project. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure what people have done done along those lines in terms of mods because they've done, you know, most other things. <laughs> so it seems... But, seems, but, yeah. but at, at, at its core, it's not, it's not theoretically impossible. It's not theoretically impossible. It's generally, you know, away from the sort of things we're personally interested in working on. Oh yeah. Um, uh, but but it's yeah. I mean, certainly, certainly in the I mean, and and anything to do with like internet protocols is completely beyond my experience and expertise <laughs> at all. So that's I mean that's that's one reason we haven't done it. Um, yeah, that makes one, sense. One among many, but but. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, there's nothing, nothing, nothing outside of yeah, coming up with the whole, the whole game for you know why it wouldn't happen. <laughs> it's like, how does that work? Uh, right. Well, what are people doing? Who are they playing? Who, who can they control? Do people compete against their orders? Do they have like <laughs> bidding points or something? <laughs> so they can figure. It's kind of like playing, well, playing it, multiplayer Majesty once, or something. Once you start getting to that place, then each of you might, you know, have a certain amount of clout with the dwarves, you know, and so. <laughs> yeah, I guess Maybe based, certain yeah, guilds and stuff. That would be kind of fun. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, it's all, that all sounds really it, cool. That could be an expansion, you know. Once you once you release, you know, you could have you could have the multiplayer expansion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not not something I think about much. What is that? <laughs> Here comes trouble. Uh oh. Does it have a have no, a tail? No, yeah, that, well, not much of a tail because Scamps is Manxy, but uh, oh, that's right. But but uh, but is yeah, it doesn't stop him from being trouble like a cat, <laughs> does it? Does it? I mean that that fortunately that had a lid on it, um, <laughs> but it's on the floor now. Well, thanks, guys, for coming along on this wild ride with us uh talking about dwarf fortress you know it we're, we're just so happy and grateful that you've been part of our community for this amount of years you know who i'm talking about charlie anyway um <laughs> yeah let's people. um let's start <laughs> thanking people who are we thanking here Cody? Well, everyone has sent questions. Uh, that'd be Recon One Hundred Six and uh, Fiery uh, uh, sending in uh, questions, and every everybody else out there. This is an opportunity. Dwarf Fortress Talk is back, and uh, questions will be answered. Especially now, if you're the only question, we're gonna read it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, well, I suppose that's a horrible promise to make because we're gonna get some interesting ones now. But uh, that, that <laughs> we'll we'll go ahead and do it. We'll 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 read them and. Um, yeah, thanks to everybody that uh, helped out, um, not just over the years, but especially uh, last month and the month before that, people helping out now. Yeah, Quatch gave me a protocol on uh, of how to like fix the episode that was like just step one, you do this envelope. Step two, you look in the spectrogram and do this thing and, and do the compressor and do the... Oh, beautiful. The, the, this and that. And um, yeah, yeah, no, you should thank Sankas and Will for that as well. People, Yay. people want to help out the uh, the we're we're Bay Twelve Games on Patreon, and there's also the uh, the little PayPal button on our on our site. Um, all that stuff just goes into keeping us keeping us going, keeping the the lights on on the websites, and feeding feeding us and rent and foods and things. Uh, and the little kitty cat um, needs needs his apparently he's got an addiction to smoked deli meats. We can't I mean, too much smoked deli meats, but that's the most natural thing in the world. But is it natural for scamps to not eat deli meats that aren't smoked and to literally refuse them? <laughs> you know what? That's just being a discerning palate. All right. I mean, <laughs> scamps can have little a salami as a treat. 
Yes, yeah, it has to be smoked though. I mean, I, 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 uh, I had to eat those deli meats, the ones, the ones that were labeled as oven roasted. Oh, oven roasted, not good enough for you, is it? Just sitting right there, staring at me. <laughs> you know we're talking about you, scamps. <laughs> I also have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon slash Capantastic. Uh, if you'd like to throw a few dollars my way, I have a special Dwarf Fortress tier uh, where when I play Dwarf Fortress, I will pull your name out of a hat. Maybe not a literal hat, but I will make a dwarf with your name, and if any th- horrible fates befall it, I will keep you updated. <laughs> and there will be horrible fates. Of course. Yeah, and I'm um, I'm Rainseeker, and I have a business called Measures of Joy with my wife. We uh, we exist in Northern California, and uh, you can find us on Facebook at uh, Measures of Joy uh, Gluten Free or Measures of Joy ba- Bakery Gluten Free. So have fun finding that. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your fate wisely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Oh, it's good to good to get back together and. Uh... And, and do another show. And we'll yeah, and another, next next yeah. next week or next time we're going to be announcing the uh, iPad version of Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> oh, don't tell people that. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Spoilers. That, that will be a big surprise. <laughs> Thank you.